while of course, you know, Berkeley is a very high level institution, it was still school. So I felt like it's okay if I, you know, if I have a bad performance, even though it started to be in every class every time. Um, but in the professional world, it was really like, I'm out here on my own trying to make a name for myself. And I can't really afford to have bad performances anymore. I'm Brian Paris with Sounds of Berkeley. When she was a student at Berkeley, Amanda Adelman chalked up her stage fright and fumbled performances to nervousness. But the problems continued after graduation, and Adelman felt it was affecting her career. She sought help and discovered that she had post-traumatic stress disorder from old psychological wounds. In this episode, Adelman talks to my colleague Kim Ashton about how PTSD affected her music and how she used music, including writing a new album, to work through it. At the end of the interview, we take a listen to an original from her new album. Here's Kim with more. Amanda, thanks so much for being on Sounds of Berkeley with us. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm so excited. And congratulations on the release of your second studio album, Into the Light. This record is a departure from your last album, the 2012 debut, A Glow, because something happened in your life uh, since then. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, I, um, I started working on A Glow pretty much when I left Berkeley in 2009. I was gigging a lot, um, six, seven nights a week, playing with my band, and it was all about performance and playing concerts. And I started to find over the, over the years that I developed pretty bad performance anxiety um, where I couldn't perform the way I wanted to. And I, I would just be worried about everything on every gig, whether there were three people in the audience or 200. Um, so I sought help and in finding a performance anxiety psychologist, um, he asked me a lot about my childhood and I, I grew up in a traumatic childhood, but as far as I understood, I had processed it and it was all good, but I never had any treatment for it. And he diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress, which was causing performance anxiety among a lot of other things. So, um, between that album and now has been a lot of learning and uncovering and, um, working through a lot of this stuff. So did you have performance anxiety at Berkeley or was this something that sort of developed after you left and started your professional career? Well, it's funny because I think if you asked me while I was at Berkeley, I would say that I get really nervous and it ruins my performances. But no, I don't have any anxiety, which is crazy <laughs> because I definitely did. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of teachers who who would say, you know, why do you get so nervous? And they would, you know, they would try to give me um, tips and help on how to do it. But I think that performance anxiety is a developing, a developing thing. And definitely back then, I don't think there was a lot of support for instructors uh, or students about just really what it, what it is and how to, how to tell what it is. It seems like such a common thing among performers um, and students. What, when does it cross over into PTSD? When, what performance, what level of performance anxiety is natural and normal and what is considered excessive? That's a tough question. I think, um, I think, yeah, like you said, a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with it, but I think those who really struggle with it, where it doesn't go away once they start singing or, or playing an instrument, um, I think that's when, you know, it's attributed to something larger, um, whether it's PTSD or, or whether it's, you know, a generalized anxiety disorder or depression, I think, um, performing is such a, fine motor skill, especially in music, we're not always moving around a lot. Um, 
and it's very exposed. So we don't really get the opportunity to discharge some of that anxiety. Um, so I think there's a whole spectrum of it. And I think it can be tied back to any issues. For me, it's post-traumatic stress, but I think, you know, people can have it from anywhere. But you say that this sort of grew um, as the years went on, this this anxiety, the sense of anxiety got uh, bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because I think, I wonder if it was just that I started noticing it more with a different lens. I just, I was out there on my own in school. There's this, there's this idea that we can always do better next time because you're a student. And while of course, you know, Berkeley is a very high level institution, it was still school. So I felt like it's okay if I, you know, if I have a bad performance, even though it started to be in every class every time. Um, but in the professional world, it was really like, I'm out here on my own trying to make a name for myself. And I can't really afford to have bad performances anymore. Um, so in that sense, it started to become more risky, I think. So, and then, and then once you have, you know, five or seven bad performances, then you start anticipating that you're going to have a bad performance. So it snowballs from there. Right. And that makes the anxiety worse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So even before your diagnosis, you said that music offered you a refuge. Um, what artists did you listen to and, and who did you feel spoke to you the most? Um, it definitely varied over my life. As a teenager, I loved any sort of sappy lyrics that would convey whatever angst or <laughs> um, crush on a boy I had or, or you know, anything. So it, it could be any songwriters. I liked the Beatles a lot as a young kid. Um, I liked a lot of big band music as a kid. But I found that in, in high school when I was exposed to jazz, I, I just dove right in. I loved Bill Evans. I loved Keith Jarrett, um, Clifford Brown. I loved just diving into this music that was so rich in texture and had such a big palette. Um, it really, it could hold everything, which I thought was just so cool. So when you say it could hold everything, do you mean it was the language through which you could sort of process your trauma? Yeah, it, I think it was more, because again, at the time, I wasn't really thinking about whether or not I was traumatized. Um, my coping mechanism is to just move on. That was sort of what we did as a family, um, whether that was right or not. But I, I just found that the, the rich harmonic palette and the ability to improvise with other people in the moment was, it was a distraction in a sense from the trauma, but it also provided a catharsis because I was connecting with people on this musical level, which was different than having to talk about things. Um, so in hearing other artists do that, and a lot of the times instrumentally without words, it was really moving and impactful for me. And this album in particular is meaningful because you say it helps you not only realize that you were struggling, but it helped you to process that. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that, about the creation of the album and how you process the PTSD through making this music? Yeah. Um, it's funny because again, at the time it was sort of side by side. I, I was playing a lot of this music live with my group. Um, and we, we were really exploring this jazz and pop blend. Um, but I found that when I was writing my own original material, there was just a lot of anxiety in, in the language. And I only wrote stuff that I was anxious about. Um, and then of course, at the same time, when I would perform it, I would have all this anxiety. So whether or not the lyrics are talking about it explicitly, the, the way I would compose or improvise was influenced by what I was feeling on the inside. So there's a lot of 
there's a lot of intense instrumental sections. There's a lot of um, darker harmonies. So your album includes a lot of original songs, but you also did a cover of the Irving Berlin classic Blue Skies, which you say mirrors how PTSD works for you. How does it do this? Well, first of all, I loved the piece originally because Irving Berlin has these very happy lyrics, but it's set to minor tonality in the early parts of the piece. And that really spoke to the I'm fine mentality that I have used for most of my life, which I think we could just call avoidance, where you know, I would, I would seem fine on the outside, I would go about my life on the outside in a perfectly normal way, hyperfunctional, always working. Um, and but on the inside, I was just a bundle of nerves, whether I was worried about, you know, a social interaction, or, you know, heavier things like performance anxiety, or coping with some of the trauma from my past. Um, it really, that song really spoke to me that contrast. So what I did was in writing, this arrangement, and particularly the bridge where Irving Berlin chooses to go to major, I chose floating harmony with the melody as a foundation to have this momentary departure. So how is your experience of performing these songs live compared to um, the anxiety that you may have had five years ago? I would say sometimes it's the same. I think, you know, I've, I've had a lot of treatment since then for performance anxiety and just anxiety in general. So um, I think the more that I think about the music and I'm more present in the music itself with the people with me on stage, um, that helps me to perform better now with these songs. Um, And I think going back to songs I did five years ago, I see where it was all a mindset issue. So it's really just choosing what to focus on in the moment, um, whether it's this song that I wrote, or it's any other song. What advice do you give to other performers who are suffering from performance anxiety? I think it's important to remember that if you're experiencing it, then it's real. Um, I had a lot of people in my life and in my career academically and professionally tell me that, oh, if you just take a deep breath, it'll go away. Um, And I think you know, if you're suffering from it, it's a real thing and go talk to somebody about it immediately because it's so important for performers to be able to express themselves and to do the thing that they love the most, whether it's, you know, performing at a bar or they're just starting out or they've been doing it for 20 years. Um, It's just so important to get it treated. Well, Amanda, thanks so much for joining us on Sounds of Berkeley. Yeah, thank you, Kim. It's been great. Let's take a listen to a song from that record. From her album, Into the Light, here's Amanda Adelman with In My Mind. Day to day, I sit and watch from the window. Day to day, thinking of you. the cars passing by day to day what's there to do and I can't parse it out and time is running out out of time out of time
struck by memories of you Now and then what's there to do And I can't parse it out in In My Mind by Amanda Adelman. You can find out more at amandaadelman.com, and that's A-M-A-N-D-A-A-D-D-L-E-M-A-N.com. This episode was engineered by Brandon Bachajan. Our theme music is You Made Me by Sleeping Lion. I'm Brian Paris, and this is Sounds of Berkeley. <laughs>